everybody, or good afternoon, everybody, whenever it is that you get your podcast fix. My name is Derek Smith, and this is the Truth or Derek Show, or the Truth or Derek Podcast. Call it whatever you want. Uh, as long as you download it, you can call it whatever you want. If not, you won't know. You could also go over to the YouTube channel now. We're putting this, uh, some of the stuff up with videos and whatnot. Uh, the last two with uh, Josh and Rachel, and then the one with Franz and Rachel. And today with Josh and Franz. They're back. Schiffer and Borghart uh, coming back to mix it up, talk about everything in a crazy week of news and a bunch of other stuff and what you're supposed to wear in court. And, oh, it's going to be a hoot. It's going to be a hoot, but before we can hoot, you know what time it is. It's time to talk about www.podstars.net. Podstars is a talented and passionate community that will give you the opportunity to interview top professionals from a variety of industries where they will share their insights and experience with, 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 with your audience. <laughs> Plus, everybody will have access to the exclusive celebrity catalog featuring some of the best in the business, both new and established. Podstars is also free to join. As a member of Podstars, you can choose from the catalog of celebrities to interview on your podcast. If interested... For an additional monthly fee of only $8.99 a month, you can upgrade to the community plan, a completely different and exciting catalog full of some of the best experts and professionals in their fields today, as well as access to everybody in the whole Podstars universe. It is a great way to invest in your podcast, as you will save time and money by being able to book guests from one platform with an expansive catalog that is constantly being added to. A lot of exciting uh, people joining up on the Podstars world, so come on, check it out. Why wait? Join www.podstars.net now and start exploring all that they have to offer. You will not want to miss out on this amazing opportunity to elevate your podcasting career and be part of the exciting community. And uh, again, I speak from experience. You know I hire all of my people from podstars.net. I'm a big fan, including Josh and France. So we'll be getting to the our boys in a minute. Uh, we talked about Podstars. A lot of stuff to get to today. A lot of feedback. And you know we're always talking about positive feedback, but I did, uh, somebody did reach out. I just wanted to clear the air on something about last week when I was talking about <laughs> the train track police giving us a hard time when we used to walk our dogs back and forth. Um, a guy, Mark, uh, I didn't see where he was from, said, uh, I work with, uh, with security that uh, does cover uh, railway crossings and all that sort of thing. And he said, you know, uh our work is, you know, sometimes important that there is uh, people, whether they're, you know, kids hanging around, whether it's unsafe. And um, I don't I don't have the email in front of me, but he basically just said, you know, like they're, they're, <laughs> the rules are there for a reason, which I get. I, I wasn't saying that. I was just I, I'm sure everybody's had the experience where, you know, we had it again during COVID when we used to go to the dog park or. You know, out and about just in public. And again, I understand the rules and I understand that, that there's a system in place for a reason. But you do get that one out of 20 or one out of 30 people that are in a not so important job that really kind of want to bust through and act like they're saving the world. That was the point I was trying to make. I, I understand, like, the dangers of railway crossings. I do. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, I remember, you know, when you were a kid and you would, you know, take off into the, the back 40 to go smoke a joint or, you know, a, a drink with uh, some of your buddies and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, there there is a certain thing to like, 
clear out, but you don't have to, you know, rush in like some of these like the <laughs> I remember the the train track people, like they had bulletproof vests on. <laughs> I was just thinking like what, you're gonna go to a, a train crossing and somebody's gonna pull a gun on you? But like in this again, we had um one of the, the, the people at the dog park, and again, they're they're normally the city people, they're fine. They just come and they're like, you know, just to clear out or stay out of this area or you know, the people have been a complaint. But then you get that one guy that shows up, you know, with his chest all puffed out. He's like, Oh, you know, I had I don't know if I told this story before. But it, I, I'm pretty sure I did. But it's worth a quick retell. Where one of one of our buildings, uh, when we took off from there, I had to go to the bathroom, and I, had, I think I had to grab something for lunch. But anyways, I, 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 I put on my four ways out front of the thing. It was on kind of a side street. Listen, I parked illegally. You know, it is what it is. I get a ticket. So I run in, I do my thing, and I come out, and the guy's halfway through writing the ticket. And I just said, you know, uh, dude, I'm sorry. I, I said, you know, this. I just, it was two seconds. I, I said, I'm sorry. I know I'm not supposed to do it. I just said, you know, I didn't want to pee in an alley. I just thought I'd use a bathroom and make the world a better place. And of course, this is one of those guys. He's got his chest out. He's got his bulletproof vest on. He's like, well, uh, can't you read the signs? And I, I said to him, yeah, like, I know I was parked illegally. I just fucking said that. Like, chill. I'll move it. You got a ticket. Then I get a ticket. And he's pointing to the signs. He's making a big deal. He's, well, you, you know, the, the rules are rules. And the, the thing I said, yes, for God's sakes, I heard you the first time. So he walks over all big and bad. He slaps the ticket on my windshield. He's like, uh, you know, there's a ticket for you. So he's walking away. And I just, uh, it was just something about this guy rubbed me the wrong way. So I just opened up my door and I like stood on the, in the footwell. And I was like, you're pretty fucking big and tough, eh? So he starts giving me the, like the the hand sign, like the the yappity yap sign. I was like, oh yeah, you know, give me the yap sign. I said, have a look at you. I bet your parents are real proud of you. And you just saw him stop, and like his hand started to shake. Like for whatever reason, I don't know, this guy had a problem with his parents, but um, yeah, he turned around. He took the the machine that you write the ticket with, and he smashed it on the ground. He's like, the fuck did you just say? And I said to him, I said, I bet your parents are real proud of you, asshole. So he gets into this, like, stance, like this 1920s bare-knuckle boxing stance. He starts, like, circling around on the thing, and he's like, come over here. I'm going to pound the piss out of you. So I just got out, and I stood there, and I was thinking, afterwards, I'm thinking, jeez, I should have went over taking a punch. I could have got, you know, 60 grand from the city, and it would have been nice. But we just ended up exchanging a few more words and went our separate ways. But maybe that's why. We had another one. Uh, I told you about the the train track. I mean, I've I've had a thousand of them because I, I wanted, I'm I'm a pretty easygoing person, but on the other hand, it's like you, you, you push me the wrong wave like a little bit too long, and I'm eventually going to say, you know, fuck you, and let's see what happens. But you know, we're civilized people, and we we, we did have uh, I, one of the the um, during COVID at a at a different dog park. I I spend way too much time at the dog park, but it is good for me. I get my exercise and stuff, but. It was around the time with COVID, and we're outside. There wasn't that many people there. There might have been six people in an area that was like, you know, 50 acres. And the guy's over, which car is yours? Uh, I'll give you your plate number. Uh, you're here illegally. Uh, you're going to write a ticket. You know, you're, you can be arrested. Uh, you're, you're protocol, protocol. And everyone was just like, fuck off. Why are you here? And the guy's like, oh, I did, this is public safety. You know what? This is, a, this, is this. And. I need you. What car is yours? And you can't do this and you can't do that. 
And I just remember the guy was sitting there running his mouth for so long. And it had to be maybe eight or ten minutes till he eventually just got bored of it, got into his car and took off. And I don't think he wrote any tickets or anything, but it was just one of those, you know, again, 99% of the time when you come across, especially when you're younger, is just people out not breaking the law. Like we had a hundred times when we were younger, you were just, you know, hanging out at the park, skateboarding. And, you know, the security would come down and go, oh, you know, take off. You take off. They take off. And it's just it's one of those things. It's a word of advice to everybody out there that has a job that's not that important. And believe me, I have a job that's not that important. I'm not walking around singing like I'm saving the world. <laughs> Let's just all take it easy and try to take care of one another. Um, speaking of taking care of yourself, obviously, we're, there has been so many um, drinking DUI stories in the news this week. I noticed the... Uh, it's a weird thing. It doesn't matter how famous you are. It seems like you cannot talk or flirt or pay your way out of a DUI. Uh, there was a couple, I know uh, Hootie, uh, we talked about that a few weeks ago, that we had him confused with somebody else. But uh, we were listening to some Hootie, and I listen. I think I'm a Hootie fan. You know me. I love myself some, uh, I guess they, <laughs> some people call it wuss rock. Uh, yeah, he got a DUI. And we posted that, and we were talking about it on Twitter and on Facebook and a few other things. It's just, it's such a stupid, especially if you're rich. If you're broke, it's not that, it's not okay, but at least it's understandable. Like, I, I've always said, I, I hope to get to the, the level of success one day where I can have a driver because I would never drive again, drunk or not. Like, it's just, it's not something that I enjoy. And then I, I was thinking back again, we were talking, and everyone was telling some stories and stuff. And no matter where you are, people will be sympathetic. Like, I remember a a great example. I mean, there's a couple of times where it's like, I mean, it was before I met my wife and it was, you know, you'd go to a bar to watch a a football game or a pay-per-view wrestling or UFC or whatever it was. And, you know, like, maybe you didn't have lunch that day or whatever, just got hammered kind of, I won't say unexpectedly, but maybe you got drunk too quick and all that. If you just tell the waitress or you tell the owner or whatever, they'll let you leave your car there. There's no issue. They'll, even if you're short on dough, I'm sure they'll give you money for a cab. There's there's numbers you can call and things uh, things like that. Like and that's uh, there, <laughs> there was a, there was a couple of funny ones. The the two that stick out the most it was um, back when when I worked at the other pool company, uh, we had blown a tire right next to uh, a Canadian tire. Which if you're from down south, it's like a Pep Boys or whatever. They just they they change tires, auto parts, oil change. So, uh, you know, we we get the two-way radios. We radio the boss. So she's like, you know what? Just go over and uh, uh, take it to the, the mechanic joint. You know, kill some time. Uh, they'll fix it. You'll be on your way. So we drop it off. And the guy's like, yeah, we're a little backed up. You know, we <laughs> we should have you out of here in, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And it was right around lunchtime. And right across from there was this joint that had really, like, really good food that was really reasonably priced. Like even then you get like a you can get a, a burger with like fries and gravy and a, a soda or a beer or whatever for like under ten bucks. It was really good food. I turned my wife onto it, and of course, two weeks later they, they sold. Now the food there is shit. And so <laughs> we go to this place, you know, we we get a couple of beers and something to eat, and we had given the people our number to call. So an hour goes by, <laughs> two hours goes by, you know, three hours goes by, and at this point we're like. And we had we had too much to drink, so we radio the boss, or she radioed us. She's like, "What the fuck is going on?" And I said, "Listen, I'm gonna be honest with you. We had too much to drink." So she goes, "Okay." So she sent over this. He won't care if I use his name. She sent over our buddy Bray, and another guy that he was working with. So like, 
those two can drive, get us in there and try to figure it out from there. So I guess she was under uh, <laughs> she was under the impression that the problem with the with the with the work truck had been fixed. So these guys show up. We're like, they has, I haven't called yet. We call them. They're like, yeah, we're close. It'll be out in a minute. So they have a couple of beers. <laughs> turns into three. Turns into four. At this point, we're <laughs> completely out of it. And the guys that they sent <laughs> were completely out of it. So they had to send another team. Uh, a guy, his name was Guy, oddly enough, and uh, another another partner of his. And finally, the car was ready. But at this point, we just we had to go tell Canadian uh, the Canadian Tire of the Auto Place. We're like, we have to leave all these cars here until tomorrow. And that guy, Guy, ended up having to drive us home. It was funny. Uh, I boss didn't think it was funny, but that was that was. I'll tell you more of those stories. Maybe I'll have to have a. A pool story day because that, that job was you couldn't get fired. It was fantastic. I mean, we worked hard. You made good money, but yeah, it was just one of those you could not get fired. Um, so yeah, well, there was a there was another one, and again, I don't know if I've told this one or not. You see, you got to understand about old Derek is I have shit memory, and I, I I don't try to hide it. That being said, this one actually ties into having a bad memory. So we got, uh, there was four of us. Again, we all worked at the, the same pool place. So I think maybe 2002, 2003. And uh, the guy who started Podstars was there, Jay. So uh, there's a casino about an hour and a half north of us. And uh, we used to like like seeing shows. There's a, there a couple of casinos here. But they're all like three, 3,000, 3,500 seat kind of arenas, maybe, you know, between 2,500 and 3,500. So, it's really one of those there's not a bad seat in the house sort of situation. And we saw CCR was coming, you know, Creedence, Clear, Creedence Clearwater Revival, which, you know, huge fan. So, and tickets reasonably priced, you know. Uh, back then, I lived on my own and stuff. So it wasn't like, you see some of the shit now. Somebody was telling me the other day, they had two tickets to Blink-182. It was like 700 bucks. Like, if you add in travel and maybe a hotel and a few drinks and something, like, you're at 1000 bucks. I mean. I like Blink-182 and all, but not not for that. So back in my day, concerts were, <laughs> concerts were 10 bucks. So we, we grabbed tickets, and again, I think they were maybe 30 or 40 bucks, and we were like, you know, 10, 15 rows back, great seats. Now, uh, I was smart. I offered to drive there, assuming, you know, we had a hotel and all that sort of thing, assuming some other poor bastard would have to drive us back hungover on the way home because, you know, we got, to, we got some beers going, and uh, one of the guys that we were taking to work with us, Chris, had a, a bag of mushrooms, which I haven't uh, done in forever, but that was definitely one of my favorites when I was younger, going to a, a rave or a concert or something or anything like that. If somebody else had booked the hotel, they had told me the name of it. It doesn't matter whether the name was Highwayman, but it doesn't matter. So in my head, I, I when I used to drive up and forth back to the northern Ontario, I, I thought I saw this place off the side of the highway a, a million times. And this was back before, you know, smartphones and all that. When you had a good old-fashioned map book. Back in my day, we used to look on paper. We look at the papers. So I just, in my head, I knew where this place was. Uh, unbeknownst to me on the way up there. a couple of the, uh, Once or twice, the guys were like, you sure you're going the right direction? I was like, yeah, man, yeah, man. I've driven by this place a million times. Because <laughs> the, the, obviously the plan was to get to the hotel, you know, uh, unload all the gear, get ready. Have some drinks, uh, get to the show, do your mushrooms, have some more drinks, that sort of thing. It'll be all good. Take a cab. Again, unbeknownst <laughs> to me, I went to the I went to the wrong place. We're like an hour away from the 
I'm like an hour and a bit away from where the the show was to where I thought the hotel was. So as soon as we got there, I thought, "Fuck, I'm at the wrong place." So we're not gonna we're not gonna have time to like check in and get a cab and all that shit. So we had to get on there, hightail it back, and all the way over to where uh, Casino Rama was. No time to spare. Like pulled up in the parking lot. The parking lot was full. There had to be, you know, between the show and the casino and all that, five thousand cars there, easy. So you know, power drinking the beers and all that sort of thing. And then the guy Chris pulls out this enormous bag of mushrooms. And we were like, we, you know, we, we we weren't like drug people and stuff like that. We're like, this is too much. It was like, he's like, don't worry about it. You know, we're at a concert. It's gonna be fine. So. We all did our thing there, you know, polish off the, the rest of the beers as fast as possible, head into the show, grab some drinks. Amazing concert. Because, you know, um, the the lead singer of CCR passed away. So uh, you never know what to expect. They replaced him with this other guy who did an amazing job. Because if, if you listen to CCR, the, the leads, they, they, they kind of talk funny. They've got this kind of a southern drawl in it, which would be weird if you had somebody who didn't. But the guy, they got it. It was perfect. So, you know what? Amazing concert. Uh, you know, a long one too. Like I'm in the two and a half hours of uh, the encore, three or four songs. Like it's a, it was just, it was perfect from front to back. Not realizing all the the crap we had eaten and drank. <laughs> By the time we left there, we were pretty out of it. And you know, you you don't want that car to get towed and all that. But it, it wasn't like one of those. Do you think anyone's okay to drive? Like we all knew there was no chance. So you know, we we went to the the casino concierge and we said, listen, you know what? We're, <laughs> we're in no condition to drive. She said, yeah, no problem. Just tell me the car and the plate number, and I'll make sure everything's cool for you when you come back. Uh, we went back to the hotel. It was, it was actually kind of funny. It was a really cool hotel. It was really empty for, you know, where it was. And when we went back, I guess we were able – I don't know why. We, we just – we asked the, the girl at the front desk to open the pool for us, and she did. Uh, so we went in for a, a, a swim. All that, you know, had some more drinks, shot the shit, talked about the show. I slept, got up, went for breakfast and all that, went back to the casino. <laughs> sure enough, though, it was funny because if you looked over, the car was trash. You know, we had some empty cans and all that sort of thing all the way around it. But in the packed parking lot where there was 5,000 cars the day before, there was only one guy. It was, our car was the only one there. It was so funny. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, the the security or the concierge at the casino went and stuck a note on it saying do not tow blah 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 everything's okay so the moral of the story is uh check your maps even if you're pretty sure where you're going and uh if that if one of those weird situations ever happens where you're stuck with your car and you've been drinking just talk to somebody just tell it doesn't matter if it's a bar or a restaurant or you're with people or whatever there's always a better alternative to it so you know, a lot of times we shell out advice on the old T or D podcast. This is one of those. Um, this is one of those times. So just be safe out there. You know what we're saying. Don't do anything crazy. Uh, I'll definitely have to get into some more uh, some more old pool stories because the the drinking with the flat tire one and that one. But there was a million. That place was uh, that place was an experience. But it's you know it's it's where I I I did a lot of my growing up there. I learned how to be a man. <laughs> uh, what else do we got here? We have what is quick becoming uh, a fan favorite is uh, if you listen to the last two episodes, one of our listeners, I believe her name was Julie in New Jersey, sent in uh, that she accidentally hit the point five. Well, a lot of people listen to a podcast. They listen to it at 1.5 times the speed or two times the speed just so they can listen to it quicker. Maybe it's an hour show and you want to knock it off in 40 minutes for whatever reason. But this particular listener, and again, shout out to Julie in New Jersey. 
accidentally hit the point five button. Now, when you do that, I sound like I'm out of my goddamn mind. So uh, here is, uh, again, one of our new fan favorites. It's a clip from last show. Uh, <laughs> slowed down. You remember what I'm going to tell you what grinds my gears. <laughs> and then you just come on here and you piss and moan. I know when we first moved out here, because we grew up in Toronto, and um, you know you first move out to uh, to a new uh, so bad. new neighborhood, and you like you're looking for a new joint for you know Greek food, burgers, pizza, <laughs> that sort of thing. That's exactly what I said. My wife like. came across the. <laughs> That's exactly what I sounded like that, that night at the, <laughs> at the CCR. You had like, <laughs> like four or five hundred reviews, and they were all negative. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is definitely becoming uh, one of my favorite parts of the show. Oh, what else have we got to? I'm dying to get to Josh and Franz. Uh, it looks like we got to, on the schedule, so it's going to be a more regular thing. So we have lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, I got all your questions. I'm just wondering. I'm running a tiny bit long, so I might get over to them. But I, I have the questions. I have the Pat Sajak stuff. I promise you we'll get to it next week. I got the farming questions. Uh, we were going to do a um, a little draft with uh, some favorite rock and roll uh, bands and stuff with uh, Josh and Franz. So we could have something to talk about on Twitter over the weekend. but. Uh, just setting everything up went a little bit long, and uh, they had to they had to bounce at the end. So we will get to all that next week. I promise you. We got uh, I, I I can't do the announcement just yet, but in like ten days, ten to fourteen days, we have so much cool stuff going on, and we are going to do some contests and stuff. It just everything's exploding over here on the TRD show. So just hanging with me for a little bit longer again we're going to have a whole bunch of a whole bunch of cool stuff down down, down the pipe we're mixing it up it's just it's going to be great but speaking of great well if less is more think of how much more more is more josh more friends all the time he is one of the best attorneys in baton rouge well heck at all of the usa he is a regular on court tv as well as various other news outlets he's awesome on talk 107.3 with brian haldane he visits churches he's great on twitter he does not shit where he eats he is the fantastic Franz Borghardt, alongside uh, Truth or Derek podcast, Hall of Famer, the Pride of Atlanta, also tearing it up on Court TV, CNN, and a million other places. You know him as one of the smartest people in show business. You know him from being a top-of-the-line attorney on social media, everywhere else. You know him as the incredible Joshua Schiffer. How's it going, fellas? I- I'm good. You also, you also know my unique smell, just like, just like Franz's unique hair. That's all. <laughs> Very smells much. like justice up in this Zoom. Smells, smells like, like justice. justice in this Zoom. That's my pheromone, baby. Justice. We were, we were just talking about when the you guys when you're live in studio, how they slide you into makeup. We were like, well, wait a second, did I not look good when I came in? Oh, it's a and here's the 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 makeup and the people behind the, the scenes are the nicest people in the world. Um, anybody that ever gets brought over to like the core TV studios has a really awesome experience uh, with Mimi, Michelle. They are just absolute saying, and it is mind blowing to see the kind of work. Like I didn't grow up with makeup in my life to see what they really do. It's, it's jaw drop. Like it's just one of those magic things you never appreciate until you actually see it happen. 
Well, no, that's what I was saying to Franz because he's him and I are both bald. And I know sometimes when you get in there, like I've been to weddings and stuff where you take a picture. <laughs> it's like a, oh. It looks like somebody's put a 100 watt light bulb in one side. No, they come out and they've got all kinds of different sprays and powders. Uh, you can tell sometimes on the Wednesday night when I'm there for like Vinny or something, um, they'll they'll even put the fake hair in me because there's the the professional grade hair spray that has color and stuff. And man, it makes you look thick. Because man, I'm 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 not fooling. I'm I'm bald. I I never <laughs> I get past. So when you're on when you're on with Vinny, I never get past your legs. You have killer yeah. oh. legs. You got socks, man. You got you got you got to have to get socks on. Uh, and yeah, there's there's a lot of discussion uh, about the 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 right layout uh, for uh, socks and and legs and such. Uh, I try if I'm sitting at home in Zoom not to wear very many pants because I find them uh, restrictive on my creativity. Well, uh, you're lucky. I actually, I recommend basketball you're shorts. You're lucky that you're a lawyer and not a teacher, because you remember when the whole COVID thing was happening? How many teachers oh. <laughs> there were masturbating? They were getting caught naked. Oh, it, and a twelve-year-old girl. It, it happens in court constantly. Where as the Zoom court developed the decorum rules, and there, depending on which court you are, judges can have some real strict ones or some um, real, real flexible Zoom requirements. <laughs> That would be one of your one of your lawyer questions when you first get to the business. You're like, do I have to wear a suit to court today, or can I just kind of wear like shorts and a basketball jersey? You know, it's funny because, like, it really was the wild west back then. I mean, like, I'd have federal court on Zoom or on online, and I would have a jacket and tie on, but like, I clearly had blue jeans on, or I'd clearly have shorts on that nobody would ever know. Unless I had to get up and go get a file or something, and the judge knew, like, <laughs> oh. like, like, I, I mean, like, I'm clearly why, why do you have robes lockdown. in the? Why do they have robes in the first place? You go on a robe checking tour, you're gonna find about seventy percent sweatpants. Like under that robe is not necessarily. There are. Plenty I've of always ones. thought that, <laughs> but yeah, the robe. Uh, it's fun when you when you really start realizing how judges are regular people and all that other good stuff uh that that really the robe is their safety costume they go back as normal people and they come out in the super and it doesn't matter what's under i did that robe shows so much power other than Fromm's dressing like Don Johnson going to court with the oversized uh, suit jacket jeans i did have a, a a clothing uh question that came in last week uh, with one of the one of our people on Twitter, do you think you know what we talk about juries lately and all the the stuff that's going on with uh, YNW? Do you think that him wearing you know they're coming out that it's a four thousand dollars sweater? It's a three thousand. Oh, you're talking the, the YSL suit, not YSL. YFM, my my apologies. Get 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 your rap right. Come on now. <laughs> oh, I, I I mispronounced that to the worst person on the planet. But so I, I'll say this: I think that. Obviously, jurors pay attention to what people are wearing, and you have to deal with their particular personal things. Um, I can't tell you a lot about brands necessarily, except the ones that I recognize, and I probably have some biases about certain clothes. I think that you can't get away from that. Everything's biased in our lives. Everything you look at is 
colored by the bias of you. Bias isn't a bad word. It's just a word. Um, whether or, or how you're dressed can affect your case. And there's a million anecdotes that could show both ways. The one I always tell that's, that makes me laugh, I used to hang around with a certain number of gentlemen that worked in the adult entertainment industry that might have been mostly from a country in Southern Europe known for a history of organized crime. And they were going to this big federal trial and the lawyers freaked out because without collaborating, corroborating, you know, getting together on these four or five guys all showed up in the shiniest 1980s. Are you kidding me? And they're like, y'all are up on organized crime stuff. Don't dress like a knockoff B-movie mobster from Hollywood in 1984. Y'all look like convictions. And, you know, these guys, bro, this is a fucking $2,000 suit. And they're like, I don't care. Go go to Sears. Get yourself some chinos, brother. You're on trial for being in the mafia. So, you came dressed like you're in the mafia. <laughs> so, so the phrase I use is don't dress the part if you're accused of being a high-level drug dealer don't dress the part of a high-level drug dealer and it's and look do it's not a, dress like I a can, doctor because we all know doctors are the biggest drug dealers in the world sorry 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 That's right nice. so 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 for me i will tell people what i care more about is and i think what juries care more about is things fitting right so not too baggy, not too tight. Like you would be better to spend 60 to a hundred bucks on getting something good, well tailored than thousands and thousands. I mean, a good look, a $5,000 well, suit may look great, but it's to me, it's more about neither too flashy nor too, too distracting or, you know, like there's this weird middle ground. I think what you're getting at is you need to dress the part. And, and you just need to be aware that other people's opinions of you during this court appearance, they, they do matter. So as a lawyer, I I own really expensive suits. I also own a bunch of KNG bulletproof, you know, $50 jacket. I'd love buying some stuff off of Amazon that I know is never going to fit right. Uh, it's going to fit off the rack because guess what? I don't need to dress up super fancy if that's not the message. Now, if I need to throw on the dripping of what I can do that, but then anybody that knows me goes, wow, wow my ship dressed up like that. That's <laughs> kind of foolish. Uh, they're much more comfortable in what I've established as my kind of basic uniforms, where a lot of lawyers kind of fall into that. They get something that, that they identify with because there's some branding involved with lawyers and, and marketing. Lots of lawyers are uh, cowboy boots or bow ties or flashy colors. I've got glasses, the color purple. So you bring that in, but you've got to do that balance like Franz is talking about without being overtly manipulative and being called out for, for that curation. It's got to have something natural and how you dress does reflect on what you're doing. Um, don't dress the part of the worst biases that juries are going to have at least in my opinion, unless you're leaning into that. Now, do you think there's anything that you could dress Adam Montgomery in that would uh, save him? Because I was just talking to Franz right before we started recording. 
And it seems like even the people that are all for a fair trial want to put him in jail, <laughs> put him under the jail, and just get him to disappear for forever. Can, can clothes ever mean a not guilty? No, not not really. Like you, know. you, you, you can wear all kinds, man, you can stand there with rosary and prayer. We oftentimes get people with like religious or uh, fraternal clothing. Uh, you know, I'm a member of this sorority or this fraternity or this men's group. And guess what? Some of that stuff, I, man, matters. I, I've seen it, seen it happen. You never know, but you ain't counting on that. If you think that your membership in a certain group is going to guarantee that result, no, man. And, and and the more you think so, about it, manifest that worse, it's going to be for you. So I like the middle because you're never going to satisfy everybody. You could offend anybody. So like, for example, Josh mentioned the rosary, right? I'm pretty Catholic. I love rosaries. You're very Catholic. If I see a client wearing a, yeah, a little, little. If I see a, cat, a, a, a client wearing a rosary as a necklace, I will tell you that that offends a lot of Catholics. Yeah. And I'm like, please don't do that. I, I appreciate that you love the rosary. I love the rosary. Don't do that, right? Yeah. I would rather you them not know that you have a rosary than you to do something, even if it's, it's even if they're being sincere about it. Even if that's they wear the rosary every day as a necklace. You, I would rather it just be kind of right here, to where you know, and and it gets difficult because like, look, I'm a watch guy. You wouldn't. I'm, I'm wearing an, an Apple Watch right now, but I'm a watch guy, right? There are watches I will not wear for a jury trial because I don't want them to think that I'm flashy. I'm a watch guy, though. I love a good watch, but I won't do that. And I don't want my client wearing, you know, you, you know, I, you don't need to be the guy wearing a, a watch the size of a phone on your on your wrist when you're accused of doing something that makes you look the look the part right. of flashy, look sad and poor. you know. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. and where are Timex? It, it's it's all about playing again with these biases and the ability of people to make right. decisions about you or not. If you're representing somebody in a techno bro kind of fraud thing, you gotta understand that some people are gonna find that lifestyle really cool and impressive and and something that they want to grow into. That's that's aspirational. Just as much as you're gonna find somebody who's anti-capitalistic or anti-materialistic that sees that you know, 60 millimeter Patek Philippe, you know, thunder watch that's worth $30,000 and sees that and goes, oh, already hate them. Already hate them. And man, there's some weird things that set people off. So there is a so there real is a... concern about tacking towards the middle of non-offense rather than taking a characteristic jump so that your identity is really exposed through your clothes and, and it, it's it's music clothes it's political clothes it's your sexiness or not um there are lawyers that that lean hard into i'm a super beautiful person or i'm a super not beautiful person and and man i'll shake it i, I ain't got no problem if you are a 10 out of 10 and that's what wins you kate god bless you that's Awesome. I know it works um, in real estate. A lot of hot real estate uh, agents. Uh, there, there are a lot of and unfortunate look. jokes, some of which resemble reality when you get to that part of the universe. Uh, and here's the problem. There are clients that are super biased on the way in, and they're only going to hire a lawyer that matches some sort of preconceived notion. 
be it a young go-getter that shares demographic similarities with the client, or there are people walking and go, man, I ain't hiring anybody under the age of 60 that doesn't have a last name that tells me their religion yeah. and doesn't have this kind of suit on. Um, it, it's It's weird. And it's not just, by the way, it's not just our profession. No. Check real estate. Yeah. yeah, check real estate. What does being an attractive realtor have to do with the buying and selling of a house? It has absolutely nothing, but we love attractive realtors. We do. Right? <laughs> there's there's a series of movies that are roughly 10 to 30 minutes long. Franz can talk about at length all about attractive realtors. Uh, a very interesting series on the, on the internet. I, I don't encourage you to look for it. Uh, but yeah, that, but that's true. And here's the other thing about looks, and Franz will admit to this because I've I've talked with him and we laugh about it. There are clients that you meet, and after doing criminal law for long enough, you just have to look at them, and you, you can generally tell what they're charged with, and 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 it's awful. But man, there there are clients that walk in, and everybody's like, okay, yep, that's going to be a drug alcohol a sex charge unfortunately <laughs> child sex charges there's something about that where you can almost smell the charge a mile away and it's eerie how the guy almost always a guy walks in and without even be like yep totally get why you're here okay uh, <laughs> and, and, and it's to say when i see certain uh, for lack of a better term my, my middle-aged housewives if you are in a certain demographic, dress and act a certain way and come in, man, you probably have a theft problem. You might have a quiet drunk problem. Uh, <laughs> and and it, it's amazing. Stalker mom pills. So, yeah, at, at what happens common well, enough that you're like, right. oh, I remember know what's going to Winona Ryder fit that bill. And remember she was shoplifting? That was kind of exactly what you just described. <laughs> Uh, Franz, do you tell me if I'm wrong? Shoplifting has so much to do with the mentality of the person more than the crime than basically anything else. There are people that shoplift for uh, necessity. There are people that shoplift because it literally is the only way of putting food on their table. There are a huge number of people who shoplift for some sort of mental interior reason Rush. that is hard to get to the bottom of, even though there are some commonalities a lot of them share. And you'd be blown away how many shopliftings I've had in my career where they had plenty of cash and credit cards on them and they're stealing stuff they didn't even want. They st And you're like, why the hell are you stealing a VCR? <laughs> and, and it's because it's the mentality. Right. It might be, an, it might be a mental defect. It may be an adrenaline rush of, of I want to get away with it. Stealing a Snickers bar when you clearly can buy a Snickers bar. You know, it's just, it's, it's crazy, you know? Um, and, and then those people, what's really interesting is those are the people that will also buy $150 worth of groceries at a Walmart and get caught for shoplifting one thing. And you're like, wait, what? No. You know, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird dynamic, but yeah, it's, it becomes uncanny how you can start predicting and and it sounds horrible. I, I get that it sounds horrible that we're saying you can just look at somebody and kind of tell. But I mean, the 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 upper middle class guy that has no criminal record that comes into your office that looks like he's never been in the criminal justice system, full time job as an engineer or whatever, and you're like, yeah, you've been looking at child porn, uh, okay. or you're every 
and, and you get it with politics and some political, social, and cultural leanings as well. If you lean hard into certain issues, and before you even tell me where to charter, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a good idea about it. And it, you you learn that, and you learn how to help manage your clients and, and manage their expectations and manage their cases using those politics and cultural cues. I have one right now that involves some gun rights. I do a number of gun cases and guns are a really polarizing issue and people have really unique, strong opinions about firearms and laws. If I can know your feelings or have a good idea about them early in the conversation, a lot of the training Franz and I do has to deal with reversing roles and getting into the perspective of other people. I know a lot about your perspective because I've reversed roles with you and, and put thought and effort into that. I can guide the conversation using what I know to get to the to the destination I want. So if I need you to understand as an accused that your idea of appropriate gun safety is valid, but so is the police officers and they're really different, you got to kind of get into those politics and almost feed into some of the biases that your clients have. I, I literally said it this week, where this guy's complaining about how he's holding his firearm, but he's in the presence of some law enforcement. And we literally had to walk through. All right, so just remember, imagine you're that officer and you don't know you and you don't know that you're trained and he sees this firearm in this position, you're gonna claim that's down ready but you understand how the officer can see that as being an extraordinary threat to his life, well, health and likely livelihood, as well as everybody else surrounding. You know, sorry, Franz brought up something interesting just before that. When you when you are working, I mean, obviously, you know, you say people walk in, you get referrals and things of that nature. Do you have some of those days where you like you're working on a murder trial or you're working on a child pornography uh, case, and then you do have someone that's like a shoplifter or, you know, something like that. Like, is that kind of a weird headspace where it's like you have a day where you're, you're dealing with all these different things. And then I don't want to say one that doesn't matter, but obviously a, a shoplifting case is probably going to take back seat to a, a homicide. So, well, it's, it's not that it takes back seat. So like in theory, it would be great to have nothing but homicide cases where you're making six figures on each homicide case. In theory, that's great. But the reality is you need the shoplifting cases. You need the lower level cases because that's cash flow, right? I can, I can churn a shoplifting case much quicker than I can a three to five year murder case. And so, and so it's not that it's like, I can't believe I'm dealing with this shot. It, and actually it's, Man, this is refreshing. I get to deal with something that's a little bit less, you know, it's it's a little that bit less serious. Yeah, I mean, I know how this is going to play out. You know, it's 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 not. I, I have cases right now that are set for trial in a couple of months that I'm like, I have no clue how those are going to play out. They could be a plea, it could be a trial, it could be God knows. But but like the smaller stuff, that is actually very to me. I need that financially. I need that. It's a good for the. It's chicken soup for the soul because it's like okay. Here's somebody I can really help, like in a smaller, smaller basket of trouble, and that has a a very finite start finish resolution. Yeah, I, I gotta totally agree with with Franz on. I like the variety, and there are lawyers that don't. There are lawyers that are I just do five big cases, 
And man, that's great. You got five murders that you're getting 150,000 bucks a piece off of. Every man, that's a great practice. You only have five cases. I don't want to just do, you know, bet the farm, huge everything, everything's the most important. No, man. I I gotta have some slap and tickle DVs and some some traffic stuff because guess what? I showed up to court on traffic stuff. I don't, I don't really need to prep that much. I've done the prep 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And, and therefore, I get a lot of enjoyment. Now, for the client relationship, certainly not everybody's charged with a murder or a, or a multi-decade felony. That's an emotional connection that's really different from your teenager with a shoplifting where, I'll tell you, that teenager thinks their life is over. There's a personal benefit and good feeling where even though that was a misdemeanor that we always knew he was never getting any time for, even if he got convicted, <laughs> the judge was just going to give him probation. Yeah. Um, but the the act of of advocating for and building that relationship, that's really satisfying to me. I'm going to say it's satisfying to Franz as well. It's different from the relationship you get with that one, two, three, four-year murder case. Um, not that it's worse, but it's different. And then there are is the financial consideration uh, and and your workaboutism. Um, if I'm going to spend a day working on something really heavy and crappy that we're going to really struggle with and game and it's bad and there's tough facts, I don't want to do that necessarily five days in a row. I want to have a day or two in between there where it's like, and now we're going to work on something else. And it could be a case. It could be business. It could be a, another project. I need that for my own brain. Not that it's wrong that there are people that just do big things. On the other side of that, there are lawyers that say, I don't want to do a single felony. I'm just going to do misdemeanors for the rest of my life. And they love it. It, it works for them. And if you, and get a high enough, if you get a high Yeah, if you get a high enough volume of misdemeanors, you can make a good living. I mean, it's... Oh, yeah. The, the DUI-only so people I'll... for a long time made real good money in America. Yeah, I see a lot of those. Uh, you know, hurt, hurt, and wreck. Get a big check. <laughs> ah, that's so, different. That's plaintiff civil, and that's a whole other universe. So one of the one of the most serious cases nationally right now, believe it or not, and it probably won't be hard for you to believe, domestic violence. Right that that is that is one of the most serious prosecutors have 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 generally taken a very hard stand on it, in a lot of places a. First offense is a misdemeanor. In some places, it's a felony. Um, I had one come into my office this week, a 65-year-old woman who was charged with domestic violence on her husband. Get this, she threw cranberry juice on him after he called her the (laughs) C-word. I got real self-righteous on that one. Ultimately, that was a case where I charged a fair fee. I made a couple of phone calls. The prosecutor's like, I'm not charging grandma with throwing gran- cranberry juice after she's called the C word. I mean, I've got I've got to give my mom and my grandmother a hug later. And, I, you know, yeah, that case. <laughs> I got to go in front case, of a jury, man. I can't go in front of a jury. Right. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Go to Texas. So, you'd be like, we're giving that grandmother 35 years. Yeah. <laughs> So so that case may have a shelf life of I made a couple of phone calls. I may only have one more meeting with that client over the span of two weeks. My client at 65 years old, never been in trouble before. The sleep that she gets now when I told her, hey, they're not going to prosecute you 
It's the best sleep she's ever going to get. She never was going to go to jail. I the best lawyer right? in the entire world. His name's Fraud. Right. He literally right. works miracles. Call him for everything. <laughs> and he talked to me. And he charged me reasonable money. And every one of my friends, only call Franz. Yeah. Only call Franz. That's how you build practice. Yeah. Now. Right. And, and, and it's... I, I had a I had a, a question about the fact that you guys are practice owners and uh, all this sort of uh, this thing with uh, Crumbly. Is this going to change the landscape of when these things come across your desk, where you have to say, like, you know, like you were just saying, the cut and dry. As these get more difficult to a shooting or a stabbing or something like this, is this something that you guys are going to have to change your strategy for and say, listen, you know? It's not just one person involved now. Like this is going to be there's there's multiple layers to this where you know five years ago there was. Well, I think that all depends on the practice and the lawyer and where the practice is at. I've I've had the same partner Doug Chenko uh, since two thousand nine ten. We've also at different times had two or three additional lawyers in the office, multiple staffers. Now we're down to something real lean, but we just hired another staffer. Uh, because we had more need for it. And and my practice has changed. I, I used to be much more on the, um, you know, because I, I just did different stuff. And, and then it, it changes. And I know Franz has worked with people. He works alongside people. Uh, he partners with people. Uh, criminal is a lot more small firm, solo, double practitioners because of the conflict issues. You see that actually in Crumbly right now. Uh, the two defense lawyers used to be partners, and but to save the representations, they're they're not partners anymore. Um, they still work together extensively, um, but when you've got the big cases, it's it's part of how you run your business. Because if you handle it right, it's fantastic. If you handle it wrong, you go to business. And and I know lawyers who have literally gone out of business because they haven't managed those those scheduling issues uh we've got some big trials here like you mentioned the ysl trial i know of more than one lawyer associated with that where the financial burden of continuing on a case that long has been horrific for their personal businesses and then you get into well is that why lawyers plead people out too fast or not enough like there's some real ugly ethics that get involved because when you sign up to represent someone you're the representative that the court has assumed you did everything right and are fully prepared. And man, that was your decision. So let, let me initiate you to the negative side of success. You're representing a high profile defendant in a Rico case, spending tons and tons of time dedicated to this, which on all accounts should make you a more notarized attorney. It should make you more in demand, all, all these positive things. Well, what starts happening is other attorneys around you start talking shit about, he doesn't have time for you. Yep. He's Look at what he's doing. I mean, you think he's going to care about you when he's doing this case over there? And it does, there is a double-edged sword to high-profile, you know, practice killer-like cases versus – the client who does not want to be in the news, who wants to be a, I'm in your office for about two weeks and then we resolve my case. There are, there are pros and cons to everything. Shannon Smith tried a wonderful case. She did a really good job with that trial. 
I've vetted the case with my law school class of 40 something year old, uh, 40 something law students, a variety of pro prosecution, pro defense. And the takeaway I got from watching the trial, commentating and vetting it was this is not going to be a bright line case. It's a very fact specific case. The problem is, is that we have to treat every single parent now as if it were a crumbly when it may not be a crumbly. Um, and that is going to be the problem. And that case was document and evidence intensive, not because of the role of the parent, but because of the actual shooting at the, at the school. I mean, I mean, ridiculous amounts of, of evidence in that case. Like how how old was that case by the time it got to trial? It was pretty. I mean. So, I mean, I don't. The other thing is the expense of that defense. I don't I. I don't know Shannon Smith well enough to know to be tacky enough to ask her, Hey, how much did you get paid for that? <laughs> but I'll say that's not, that is not an inexpensive defense. You're like, yeah, that you're, is you're, a fraud is like, whatever you guys are all going days. to jail. How much did you make? <laughs> yeah. 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 For, for a, a case that is, has that many moving parts. And I, I know Shannon well, uh, not, would like to hang out, but, but we work together. We train together. Um, I know what her prior practice has looked like without a doubt. That is an earned fee of, of well over a hundred thousand dollars. Now that yeah. doesn't necessarily yeah. mean you get it. There are lawyers that take losses mm -hmm. on cases that start off well-funded and, and aren't well-funded later on. Um, situations change because the judge has to be the one that lets you out. What, what a lot of people don't understand, lawyers just don't go and quit. Uh, you've, you've, your client has rights and obligations that you don't get to, to manipulate or mess with. The courts do have remedies. Um, I, I, if a judge says, Mr. Schiffer, you're going to go represent that person, I, I got to do it. it it's, it's part of being a lawyer in Georgia. That's how Nermi got. That's how Kirk uh, got uh, uh, the Arius. That just it, it is how. So, so let's of... talk. Let's talk Nermi for a second, and let's talk about Shannon Smith and the social media reaction oh. to them fighting for people that were less than savory clients, right? Um, and we'll stick to Shannon Smith. Some of the social media I saw on commentary on Shannon Smith was just downright ridiculous. Yeah. Right? Like, I would love to have a camera filming you at your job, your day job, for for all week long and all Six the little months, peccadillos yeah. and all the little things. Yeah. Like, you make a mistake and you say, oh, man, I, I'm just going to shoot myself. Oh, she must be histrionic yeah. and crazy. Like, I, I, I got so, like, the pettiness. Like, you don't like the fact that she's defending you don't like Crumbly, Jennifer Crumbly? I get it, right? I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm the first to say, yeah, good deal. But like some of the just abject pettiness on social media. And I know that he also, when he was representing um, Arias, he probably got the same. Oh, yeah. I got, mean, there's no. Oh, when I talked yeah. to him, when he was talking about all this, like still, he's he has to block people on Twitter. When that whole thing was going on, People were mailing him death threats, like to his his office and stuff. Like it was, it was one nightmare after another. And at the end of the day, it's just like shit, man. I'm just this got this got put on my desk. Like this has nothing well, to do and, with me. I just I came to work. And how, my life. how lawyers deal with that is is a is a big thing. Like so, 
public defenders, especially long-term career public defenders, man, it slides right off of water off Duck's back because you think that's a bad guy. You should see the guy that I defended that didn't get any press coverage. <laughs> Wait, you see uh, who's that's that? the one that where they're like, you're going to talk awful. You should see the one we just played <laughs> without, without anybody ever mentioning anything. And we just all went to court and he's gone forever. <laughs> that's the really awful people. Um, Social media, it plays this role. And, you know, one of my mentors, Jerry Spence, wrote this whole book screaming and moaning about the, you know, the true crime universe and the positivity and negativity of it. I happen to believe the good of more public justice interest is it outweighs the bad. But at times the bad's awful. Look, look at the um, uh, what's the little girl uh, from Colorado and Georgia. Um, who's been missing forever and they've destroyed the the family um the little blonde uh, the little blonde girl where it's the brother that probably did it. Uh, mary whatever I, I I, i'm sorry i'm drawing a blank I, I read about that yesterday too but you know you see exploitative news and there have been prominent anchors that have absolutely harmed innocent people um i know i personally stay away from that i stay away from those kind of broadcasts i know franz does as well as as pundits, we have to be really aware of where we're showing up yeah. because you don't want to be on something that's just nakedly exploitative. Uh, at the same, and and I understand every broadcast agency is is collecting clicks, and to collect clicks, it's way easier to collect them with interesting, salacious stuff than hey, let's talk about a tax case. Um, let's but- and let's let's not mince words either. Let's not mince words. Defending Jennifer. Crumbly. The magnitude, the press on that case is a once in a career case. There are attorneys that have been practicing for 20 years that have not dealt with a case of that magnitude and may never deal with a case of that magnitude. And so it is real easy. And this is as someone who actually tries cases, Josh actually tries cases. I actually try cases. I have to remind people sometimes. Yeah, being a commentator, armchair quarterbacking is fun. But there is a certain amount of latitude I'm going to give a trial attorney because when you're in it, like in the trench, and you're really in it, it's a lot easier to armchair when you don't have any concept of what's happening, like in real life. Like, for example, a trial day for someone trying a case of that magnitude, it may not be a 24-hour day, but easily 16, 17 hours Every day. And put that over every single day. You're in almost survival mode with staff. You're in survival. I mean, you're effective, but you're also the rest of your life. What's happening with that? Like, you're talking to two single guys that could talk a lot about how being a, a trial lawyer, it's filled with people with, I'll just be blunt troublesome personal lives because of what it does to us it's all prosecutors all defense attorneys they're going to tell you man personal relationships are just different because you've got to have a spouse or partner that understands no i got to drop everything right now there's not a choice there's not a can do no judge says be there at two o'clock in the afternoon to try the case that's that's it like i don't get to plan my vacation tell someone tell tell someone who you love look sweetheart I, I I understand, but if I don't get get this done, this dude's going to spend the rest of his life in jail, and that's more important to me than my kids' whatever game. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I understand it's but... it's Valentine's Day. We've got trial calendar at 9 a.m. on the 15th, and I I can't go out with you because I got to go work right. on this ridiculous other thing. And you either understand that or don't. And and not that other jobs don't have lots of very strict hard things, but law allows you to have this personal impact on someone's life, unlike most other jobs. Because if I have a late night partying and staying up and then don't do well at your trial. Yeah, that, that ain't, that ain't good. To say, sorry, I, I, I had too much wine last night. You're going to jail. Uh, <laughs> the, there are loads of stories of lawyers. And then you get into the psychology of who goes into a job where your job is to fight. Every morning I wake up and I get to fight because I love it. Want to know why? In my personal life, I'm the most hermit, non-confrontational. I don't raise my voice. I don't yell. I don't scream. I don't fight personally. I don't. Even when I've had my, and I'm a divorced dad, not a single fight like most people have in relationship because I'm that anti-conflict in my personal life. My professional life, it is. I want to have conflict every minute of the day. And guess what? I'm better you, and I win conflicts, and I love it. Let's have some conflict right now. I'm super comfortable in conflict land. You know what? I was going to – I just wanted to go back a second when you guys were talking about, like, the armchair true crime thing. I mean, obviously, with the television appearances and stuff, that's a good thing. But you guys yeah, – I mean, you're both very knowledgeable. You're both very active on TV and on socials and all that sort of thing. So when you see people that are, like, passing judgment, and just say talking shit for that matter, and you're like, you know, I've tried one of these cases. I know what's going on. I've seen all the news. And they're like, okay, you've watched Court TV or you've watched CNN for a half an hour, and all of a sudden you're, fuck this, and put this guy in jail for that and all that. You just want to just – a little part of you wants to say, like, so sit down and it- read, a, read about it, you know. No, it's, 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 so I bifurcate it. If it's about the accused, if it's about the trial, if, if it's about guilt or, or, or not guilty, not innocence, guilt or not guilty, it's a gift because this is how jurors and human beings think. And granted, they're a little bit more emboldened on social media anonymously than they are like in a courtroom. But that to me is a gift where I, where I lose my shit and where I get frustrated is when there's commentary, petty commentary that has nothing to do. Like I didn't like, I didn't like Shannon Smith's hair today. Oh my God. Did you see Shannon Smith's hair? And I'm like, really? Like, you know, but I love, yeah, go ahead. I I was going to say very much along the same lines as front the ad hominem personal attack. I don't have as much patience for that. As I do, I really didn't like the way that came out. I don't like this argument. This isn't affecting me. If it's that dress makes her ass look big. But then there's also, (laughs) are you a lay person, commentator, regular Joe, civilian, or are you a lawyer? I have a very strict standard with lawyers speaking out on public and social media as opposed to lay people. I assume lay people do not understand the complexities of litigation, do not understand how much more of the story you cannot know unless you are literally involved with the case. If you're a lawyer and you're going down that route, I have no mercy for you. 
And if you're going to go out there and criticize lawyers in a shitty ad hominem, lots of hyperbole, salacious way, I will fucking light you on fire. That (laughs) is wrong. You think this is a profession. And as much as we like having a good time, you will respect other professionals who are licensed. You're going to be reasonable in your criticism. Doesn't mean it, it can't be vicious. The most vicious criticism is the most academically accurate. If if I'm demeaning your very existence and effectiveness as a lawyer, I assure you it hurts more than me calling you fat. Um, but if you're and a, I lean in, yeah, I lean into the reality that like if someone points out, hey, you're bald and overweight, I'm like, well, I am in fact bald and overweight. You're winning. Me up, Captain Obvious. There, yeah. so far you're two for two. Yeah. Yeah. And I can be this successful being this fat, bald, and ugly. Suck it. Like, that's seriously love the haters. People, Josh. Oh, don't people mean what? Oh yeah, what are they gonna say? Oh, you're fat. Okay, yes. And bald. Oh, oh okay. Dude, I have a well, really awesome life. I'm sitting here being interviewed with one of my good friends on a podcast wearing basketball shorts on a Friday afternoon. I lead a fucking amazing life. We got it right. <laughs> awesome. You can suck it I with your – and really, insults are so – and you realize this, the only you get. Insults are about the person throwing the insult. And you get that right. the more older you get. That's projection. And if you need to pick on me, wow, dude. What is wrong in your life? <laughs> so I don't, and the other, the other side of it is I don't really, like I look at my life and like all the stuff that like, like Josh and I get to do on a daily basis and I laugh because like I don't take myself that seriously. Like people ask me, like colleagues in local court were like, why is it that you're on national TV talking to court TV? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Like they must really be desperate. I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't take myself that seriously because candidly, I find that the people that take themselves that seriously tend to not commentate as well as the people that 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 look, my I put my shoes on one shoe at a time every single morning. My dog, who I love, who's 14 years old, old girl, old mini schnauzer, pisses on the ground every single morning. Franz Borkart's on the ground picking up pee every single morning. Because he loves this dog. He doesn't have it playing. I'm not taking. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not taking myself that seriously. You know, this, and by the way, this all ends at any moment. There is a <laughs> sea of other attorneys. There's a sea of other attorneys who would love to do commentary. Fame and notoriety and as a lawyer is as fleeting as you get. You could be the most famous lawyer in the nation and then give it six months. And you will not get recognized in a million years. And Franz is absolutely right about that. And taking yourself seriously versus not. We're, we're lawyers. We're regular people. First of all, lawyers, really, regular people. They ain't that special. Just like doctors. I know it scares them. Doctors are just people that have gone to school a lot, lot longer. Judges, totally regular people. It freaks you out when you get to be a middle-aged lawyer. And your idiot friends that you went to law school with that you're like, ah, oh, man, come on. You're just going to be a right. Re- He's going to be a oh, judge. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're like, well, man, congratulations on the appointment. That's that's awesome. And literally, then you go to the party where the judges are like, dude, I have no clue what I was doing. Thank God there's other judges that I could call. I have no idea what to do at that point. Judges have schools, like literally. 
a judge school where you learn how not to put your shoe in your mouth because that's the biggest worry about judges is now you are the authority so everybody's watching you and every mistake is magnified and they're they're judging initially out of a big sense of fear of not wanting to screw up and look dumb as a judge as arrogant self-absorbed and narcissistic as i am and i am very self-aware and i work very hard on it too i will tell you one of my my proudest and funniest moments in my career was i was arguing something in a federal court and a judge was totally playing with her food and was trying to box me into a corner and she looked at me and said mr borkart it sounds like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth and i looked at her not missing a beat and say and said, you know what, Judge, that absolutely sounds like something I would do. I absolutely would talk out of both sides of my mouth. So if I'm <laughs> doing it, Judge, I probably – she she started laughing. It diffused it, – it entirely diffused the situation because I don't take myself seriously. Authenticity. I mean, I, I will fight – yeah, I will fight – like I will fight in the gutter for my client. If it is appropriate and it's right and it will advance my client, I it's not about me. I don't. I my ego is such that it's it's not. You know. Now again, that being said, there's also the other piece is we have a sea of lawyers. I don't know about Canada, we got a sea of lawyers in the United States. We have there's, a, there's oceans of lawyers, right? Georgia, in the Atlanta area alone, I'm sure there is thousands of lawyers. Louisiana, thousands of lawyers. Most of whom know okay. how to read. Yeah. Yeah. I actually it had, is sorry, a very interesting. I just had to look it up because we had, um, I'll let you guys guess because we were going to, I know we're going to, we're going to do some rock and roll stuff today, but we did have, um, uh, we did have a legal family feud and a law or not, which we'll do next week or the week after, but. I actually have how many lawyers are in North America as of January 1st, 2022. You guys uh, each want to take a guess? It, I want to say the, the statistics that I knew was it was something like there were there there was one lawyer for every hundred citizens uh, in, in the nation, roughly. And then I know in Georgia, I want to say it's something like 70 or 80,000 lawyers um for the state but uh it, it's not going to surprise and, and lawyer concentrations are different I, depending on the state but i'm guessing a, a half million there is 1.3 uh 27 000, so 1.3 million uh registered lawyers in the u.s as of january 1st 2022 and we have what about 300 so was, million people 280 million 300 million people all right i also had sorry i had some of those um I'm burning off all my questions for next week, but uh, outside of New York and California, well, I, you got two you got two minutes left with me before I got to hop on the other thing. Okay, then I'll just I'll do this really quick. Uh, outside of New York and California, uh, what states have the most lawyers? Illinois, Texas, Florida. Florida's hard to get into, though. Florida's yeah, it it's is, a retirement but- state. But it's yeah. got it's got like nine law schools and seven for profit one. Uh, Illinois, I'm gonna say like Ohio probably has a good number of lawyers. Um, Texas, Texas, 
Texas, Bronze, Virginia. Bronze is right. Texas was so we got yeah. New York number one. We have California number two. Texas was number three. Virginia, Florida. Delaware, Mid Atlantic. Florida number four. Illinois number five. Yeah. Both missing number six. Is it Georgia? No, it's Pennsylvania. Oh, uh, yeah. Followed New by York. state area. Okay. Followed by New Ohio, Jersey, York, which you had. And then Georgia. <laughs> yeah. I know we have a weird in Georgia, like the personal injury concentration in Georgia is, I think, the highest in the nation or something like that. We have more personal injury because we don't regulate the speech properly and we've allowed the flourishing of some very crooked bad lawyers um, in Georgia, uh, primarily in the injury universe. Um, but yeah, lawyers, It part of my joke is everybody should go to law school because really it ain't that, there's some tougher concepts, but really there's not a lot in law school that with enough time, anybody can't learn the concept. And they've made life so complicated you basically need to be, I can't do my own taxes. I can't figure out my own lots of things. Are you kidding me? All right. Yeah, okay. Roz has got to bounce, so we will do our rock and roll thing next week. But for more Josh and Franz, maybe you need a lawyer. Maybe you need advice. Uh, maybe you were fired for um, shitting where you eat or using school funds to hire hookers and shooting porn. In any case, check out Joshua at www.jdgrouplaw.com. On Twitter at Lawyer Schiff or just Google Joshua Schiffer. And for an extra helping of Franz in Louisiana, visit www.borghartlawfirm.com or on Twitter at Borghart Law or just use the international network. Google him, reach out to me, whatever it is, gentlemen. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining me and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, y'all. Thanks. See so you next much. week, guys. Take it easy, guys. Bye.